Today we're going to talk about coping with disharmony from others. I think it's something we all have to learn to deal with in our lives. And what we saw in the song that I just, uh, that you just heard this, this, uh, today, Come Gather Round, is only part of the story. Wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad, free if you're free, cheerful if you're glad. In other words, the world, the way you see the world is the way uh, the world will be to you. To some people, a sunny day would be a rejoicing experience. To others, it would be a threatening experience, depending on your attitude. But there's more to it than that. Nobody wants disharmony from other people. Nobody wants to be shouted at or misunderstood or talked to angrily without good cause, um, be misunderstood on, on, uh, in his motives for everything that he does and always be belittled. Nobody wants that. And to see these things with a uh, constructive attitude is not that easy. I would say the first thing that we need to get out of our minds on this point is the thought that we need to change anyone but ourselves. We can't help the world as it is. If the rain is falling, then you use an umbrella. You don't wish that it would stop falling. There are people that we meet who are simply unpleasant to be around. And there, unfortunately, uh, most of us, or uh, many of us, have in our lives certain people that we can't help having around that uh, really make our lives pretty difficult to bear sometimes. It's not an easy subject, is it? Well, I think the important thing that we need to really come squarely face to face with then is the fact that we need to establish for ourselves a priority. Our priority has to be our own peace of mind. We can't worry about how other people behave. We can't worry about how other people treat us. We've got to stand firm in ourselves and not allow them to shake us. We have to remember that uh, unless we have peace in ourselves, we're not going to be able to help the situation or to help them. So from the standpoint even of helping them, we first have to help ourselves. When people get you upset, I remember somebody was uh, having, two people were having a discussion, and one of them got all angry and started to stomp out of the room, and the other one called out, well, don't go away mad, Jerry, and Jerry called back, do you want me to come back and go away madder? Um, we have to sometimes accept that situations are just going to be aggravating until we can change ourselves to the point where we can handle them well. But sometimes we do have to go away. Sometimes we do have to withdraw ourselves. Sometimes the best thing to do is slip out the back door and take a little bit of a walk and come back to uh, the scene with calmness once again. If you get upset, remember that is not the time to cope with it. First of all, Look for your own peace. You might find it helpful to do some, just, I mean, it, it wouldn't do to do it right there, but go off to your room, go outside, do some deep breathing. It would look pretty absurd if somebody's shouting at you and they're, <sighs> it would almost be like a, a challenge, I suspect. But if, on the other hand, 
you just went off by yourself and did some very slow, deep breathing until your own energy was a little bit calmed down, remember something important, and that is that many things can't be addressed right now. Many things are going to take time. Many things are going to take many years. And sometimes what you have to say to a person, he may not be ready to, to hear yet. I would say, first of all, never, if you're trying to correct a situation and bring about greater harmony, never speak if it's just out of your own desire, your own impulse. You'll almost always do harm if you do that. Wait until you've gotten away from a desire to speak and then feel, what is it, what is right to say? What should I say? Then ask yourself beyond that, um, what does he need to hear? Because if you speak and he doesn't need to hear this, you can be helping yourself but hurting him. Remember that in any kind of, of uh, relationship, there's going to be dialogue, there's going to be give and take. So don't just dump your feelings onto other people out of very respect for them. And you know, it's so often easier to respect a stranger than it is the people closest to you whom you see all the time. We should turn that around and be more respectful to the people we see daily. We should give them their space. We should not uh, belittle them by our familiarity with them. Try always to see them from a certain perspective that comes when you look from a distance, when you see them in relation not just to the little things they do at home, but the greater picture of who they really are in their lives. When you speak, think in terms of what is needed to say. And what is needed is not just what you need to give out, but what he needs to hear, what will be helpful to him to hear. And then finally, as I was saying, think in terms of what he is ready to hear. Because usually what you'll find people do is saying, now what you've got to learn is so-and-so. Well, first of all, he'll get all uptight by that mere scolding. But secondly, he may not have reached a level <clears throat> of understanding yet where he's capable of, of appreciating the value of what you, you've uh, got to say. Sometimes, even if he hasn't reached that level, you have to say it. Um, I remember there was a, a woman in uh, Italy who kept asking me for advice. And I didn't want to give it to her because I felt she wasn't ready to hear it. But she insisted so much that finally I told her and she became very offended. And uh, um, I, I, I said, well, I'm sorry you're upset. She said, no, I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. But uh, I, I was very happy to find out later on, about two or three years, maybe more later, she said, thank you for what you said. I, I realize now that you were right. So sometimes it pays to speak when you have to at, the right, at that moment. But normally you have to wait. And if you do wait, then you'll find that people can absorb it better. And the trouble is usually in these things that if you speak at the wrong moment, if you speak before it's time, then when the time comes and you want to say it or try to say it, their instant reaction will be, well, I heard that one before and they'll remember that they rejected it before, and so they won't be ready now, although they could be. All of this comes down to, I think, one basic fact of human life, and that is the need for intuition. You can't figure things out. 
Far less can you figure out these things of human relationships. It's much easier to think uh, and figure things out if you're working in uh, uh, merchandising or something like that. But in human relations, as in music, there is a great need for an intuitive understanding. And that's why, normally speaking, it isn't good to speak quickly, to answer quickly. Always think a little bit. And don't just think in the sense of thinking, 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 but get back into your own inner silence, your own inner center, and then act from that center. The more you can act from your inner center, the more you'll be able to bring harmony into all your associations and all your friendships. How are you to deal with disharmony from them? Make it a reminder of the importance of achieving greater harmony yourself. Sometimes disharmony from others can be good for us. It can be good in two ways. First of all, because it may sort of highlight for us by the very exaggeration, the uh, sort of cartoon effect that it gives to a human quality, it may highlight for us the importance of not going in that direction. You see somebody who is exaggeratedly angry, and it reminds you that, well, even being a little bit angry is something I don't like. And the second thing it can do is help you to watch your reactions. You see, the way you respond to the world is an in indication of what you are inside. If you respond angrily because somebody says something, then that means you've got something to work on in yourself. If I push the pedal down, I'm pointing to a piano over here, which is not in your line of vision, never mind, imagine a piano, and you, push your, you put your foot on the pedal so that you relieve all the dampers from the strings. Then you strike a note somewhere else. It will only resonate with those strings that are in tune, in sympathetic attunement with the, the note that you just struck. So it is also with the things that happen to you in your life. And disharmonious things can be a great opportunity. That's why Yogananda used to say, remember, there are no such things as obstacles. There are only opportunities. Because if you don't respond with harmony when there's disharmony coming to you, then that means there's also something in you that needs working on. Never mind about the other people. What have you got? What made you upset? You've upset yourself. They haven't upset you. Another person could have taken that and taken it perfectly calmly. One time, Paramahansa Yogananda, he was my spiritual teacher, he, was, he scolded one of his disciples, a woman, and she got all upset. And because she got upset, he made it a point to scold her on the same thing again and again and again. And then he branched out from scolding her about that to scolding her about all sorts of things, totally unimportant things, things she didn't feel were even justified. But he had a reason for doing so. Finally, she realized that it was pointless just to get upset all the time. And one day he started in on her, and she just took it calmly. He stopped right in the middle of his scolding and smiled. He said, you're learning. He said, I was just trying to make you more docile, more harmonious. That's all that he was, all those scoldings were really all about. Just to make her not come up with this kind of egotistic and uh, uh, emotional reaction. 
You see, how we respond is the really important thing, not what other people are or do. That's their problem. But how you react, having a few disharmonious people around you can be very good. St. Therese of Lisieux, one time in their convent, was approached by some of the novices. There were a, a few, only a few, but uh, a few can be a, a, seem like a lot if they're really disharmonious. A few of the older nuns had become sort of crotchety in their old age and were just sort of always trying to upset people. They would wash clothes in such a way as to sort of splash soap into other people's eyes and so on and answer disharmoniously. And you'd think that a monastery should not have that kind of people, but uh, after all, a monastery is made of people and they have things to overcome. And sometimes as people get older, their little defects begin to come out more. So these uh, other nuns were novices and St. Therese was the novice mistress at that time. And they came to her and they said, Sister, in this house of God, how is it that we have such disharmonious people? And St. Therese gave a really classic answer. She said, if we didn't have such people, it would really behoove us to go out and find them and bring them here. Because it's only in response. I mean, if you have sandpaper, you can smooth uh, a, a cabinet and make it lovely to touch. But if you use just plain paper, it'll never happen. And so the sandpaper that rubs against our natures is what we need in life in order to become smooth, in order to become more harmonious ourselves. So when disharmony, uh, disharmony or disharmonious people uh, intrude, invade your own life and your uh, circle of awareness, you might say, look at yourself, don't look at them. See how you're responding. Do they, don't, don't, mind you, here's something that I, I feel is very important. Many people, if they see a fault in themselves, begin to feel very badly. Well, look, we're all in this world together. We've all got things to overcome. We should try to help each other in the overcoming. But when we see something in ourselves that we don't like, we should see that gratefully. We've had it there all this time and didn't know that that was one thing, at least, that was blocking us from achieving peace of mind. When we finally see that we really are jealous, instead of feeling horrified at this self-recognition, we should say, good, now I see something I've got to work on. Think of your personality as a tool. That's all it is, really. You aren't your personality. You are that essence of consciousness behind that personality that has allowed certain traits to grow and certain others to wither and certain others to be neglected altogether. But uh, none of those is you. You are here, as a, in a sense, if you'll, if you'll think of this deeply enough, at your deepest center, you are watching yourself. Watching yourself in all the things that you do. Try to watch yourself consciously. And when you see yourself behaving in such a way, just think, well, what should I do about it? Often you'll find that an opposite uh, trend will, will uh, for instance, you have an energy going toward selfishness. Try deliberately to be, un, to be not only unselfish, generous. Try giving things to people. You'll find that, that uh, you'll be pulling energy away from this. Don't give your faults energy, in other words. 
Don't give them importance. If you want to make a thing big, it will look so gigantic that you'll never be able to overcome it. Treat it as if it were just you've made a mistake and that's all it is. Next time you'll try to do better. Remember that success is often reached over the paving, over the stepping stones of failure. Abraham Lincoln failed at every public office he ever ran for until finally he ran for president and made it. And he was one of our greatest presidents. Don't worry about how many times you fail. Don't worry about your faults. And above all, don't worry about your recognition of them. Be glad that now you can see something you've got to work with that you can get your hands on. Play with it. Put yourself in situations where you can really bring it out more so that you can get rid of it. Sometimes the sunlight shining through a stained glass window is what makes it possible to see defects in the glass. Otherwise, when that glass is somewhat dim, then you can't see it. Another very important thing is to seek out people who are harmonious. Because if you're always with disharmonious people, it'll be very difficult not to become disharmonious. With all the affirmations in the world, we attract from other people their vibrations and their magnetism. So apart from working on developing your own magnetism, like an umbrella so the rain can't come down, like an aura that negative darkness and so on can't penetrate, in that respect, make your aura strong. But one of the things that will make it strong is being with other people who have a strong, harmonious outlook on life. Seek them out, and if you can't find them, then read their lives. Read the writings of great people, great men and women, saintly men and women, and try to imitate their lives and draw their consciousness into your aura. Try to attune yourself with them. This is the importance of the guru. So many people in this country are against gurus because they don't understand what it means to have a true guru. A true guru isn't there to pontificate. He's there to help you to become what he, ha uh, he is, to help you to learn what he has learned from life. But the greatest thing that he can give you is by his joy, his wisdom, his power, his peace and love, that magnetism gradually influences you to become that yourself. The most important thing of all is to meditate and bring God into your life and live in attunement with him. The more you have of that attunement, the less disharmony will ever be able to touch you. The more you have of God, the less you'll have of Satan. It's really just about that simple.